conversations about professional things. This podcast is powered by the Business Communication Lab at the Sam M. Walton College of Business, and this season we'll be digging deeper into the importance of innovation in our everyday life. We'll be having guests from all industries, backgrounds, and expertise share their contributions and thoughts on innovation as our world continues to change. Hi, welcome back to Walton Biz Talk. In this episode, co-host Savannah Rubino and I get to learn more about the way innovation has played a role in the performance arts industry over the course of this past year. For this discussion, we're joined by Joanna Bell from Theater Square and Diana Brown from the Walton Arts Center. Thank you guys so much for joining in and telling us more about what's going on in the industry today. Before we get started, could y'all give our listeners a quick introduction and just tell us your roles in the industry? Okay, I'm Diana Brown. I'm the director of production at the Walton Arts Center. Um, I, I, I oversee everything back of house. Everything you should not see at the theater is in my domain, which is a good thing. Um, my background is I have an MFA in theater arts, um, theater management arts administration from the University of Alabama, Alabama Shakespeare Festival. Um, and I've been doing this business since I was in high school. I started doing crew work and worked my way up through the ranks, worked in TV and film as well, came back to my love and my heart, which is theater. Excellent, and I'm Joanna Bell. I'm the Director of Marketing and Communications for Theater Squared. Um, Whereas Diana has everything backstage, I have everything on the front side of the stage. So I'm thinking about the audience and talking to our patrons and making sure that people safely get in and out of the building um, all of the time. And that's been especially challenging uh, to think about this last year. Um, And so, yeah, my background, just to give you a little bit of that, uh, I have a Master's of Arts Administration from Columbia University in New York. Uh, And I came to Northwest Arkansas to uh, work at Theater Squared after 10 years working on Broadway in New York. So it's been a a fun adventure. And I I give you one thing about Joanna, which is really funny. Joanna is friends with one of my best friends from high school. (laughs) And when she got here. Yeah, it's true. I, I, I had no idea until I got here. And, uh, and our mutual friend Lynn was like, you should know each other, which is great. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. It's a small world. Um, yeah. Well, awesome. Thank you guys so much for sharing a little bit more about you guys, about you guys uh, background. Um, that's great. So before we get started, the first question I like to ask our guests is what does innovation mean to you? Innovation means pivoting and pivoting in a smart way versus necessarily this. The the easy way always seems like the right way, but sometimes you got to dig deeper and go underneath those layers. Um, Because COVID has shown us that you really have no idea what you're going to get from today till tomorrow. Every policy is based on that moment in time. So we, we keep shifting, bending, bobbing, weaving. Uh, And to me, I mean, innovation, uh, when I think of that, I think of anything that advances the art form, right? And so pre-COVID, we were innovating in lots of different ways, sort of in theater already, um, making new choices, creating new kinds of work, staging things in exciting ways. But with the introduction of sort of a global pandemic, innovation took on this whole other sort of meaning for us, right? And, and that's like, to Diana's point, sort of pivoting. But I think what's key there is that you're still advancing the art form. You're still creating ways to connect with your audience 
even if that connection is uh, in the digital space or even if that connection is socially distanced. I kind of wanted to go back to what you guys were talking about because I thought it was really cool that you guys mentioned that the theater community seems really close-knit, really supportive of each other. Um, I have a very brief experience in the theater community um, from high school, but I wanted to know what is happening in the theater and art communities to help keep passion alive within the creatives and everyone within the industry? Oof. Joanna, do you want to take that one first? <laughs> sure. I mean, first, I, I just want to sort of share some of the, the extremely devastating um, sort of consequences of the pandemic on our particular in industry. Um, you know, the arts and creative sector has lost more than $150 billion, um, you know, just in the first six months of the pandemic for which we have some data. Um, the fine and performing arts that, that we both work in, that segment of that industry alone has lost $43 billion at least and more than 50% of its workforce. That's 1.5 million people who've lost their job mm -hmm. just in our industry. And so that has been unbelievably challenging, I think, for the entire industry. Um, one thing that I am thankful for is being here in Northwest Arkansas and having the community that we have who values the performing arts has really been a uh, a tremendous um, boon for our arts organization. It has allowed us to persist. It has allowed us to stay open, to keep our staff employed, to continue to be present to innovate because a lot of organizations had to lose those artists. And then those artists are not in a sort of safe environment to continue to create and to continue to innovate. And so it's been um, really rewarding to be in a community that's able to um, sustain their arts organizations and, and has made it a priority. I agree with Joanna. Uh, what we've done is a lot of online, but we've brought in other ideas. We did holidays. We have happy hours at the Walmart Amp. So we're still engaging local artists to perform at a socially safe distance and safe for the audience, safe for the, the musician. We have the ballet now. And it's the first time I've had 42 people backstage in a long time. Freaks me out just a little bit. Um, but we're still trying to to still reach out into the community and do things with them. We have the Jazz Society. Um, they have a kids band that they put together and they do a big concert. So still trying to do those and do them in the safest way possible. We follow all the CDC, ADH, and all the theater unions, and then all the other theater organizations, guidelines. And we try to take, put them all in a bowl and figure out what's the best way to proceed. So. If we can make an, an opportunity for you to perform, we're going to do it, but we're going to do it safe within our guidelines. Even if you have like, say they say tomorrow, nobody has no more social distancing. We'll be like, eh, eh, wait, hold on. We need, we might need to be sp spaced out just a little bit longer. Um, but, and, and it's great because I, I watched what T2 is doing and I was like, they're, they're having shows and people are going in, but they had testing for the audience beforehand. So that's, it's like insurance when you go in no you didn't have you had the test but it, so that shared experience is even more because live theater 
Well, you can watch Hamilton on TV. Watching it live is something different with that one audience. One experience in your life with this one group of people. It lights up my heart. Absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, we've we've taken lots of um, new steps to sort of continue to produce, right? So we pivoted sort of to online streaming productions um, and sort of digital captures of live performance on stage. And so, yeah, we have had some uh, limited invited audiences for those, much the same way that the Walton Arts Center is sort of innovating with the ballet and having in-person audiences for that. Um, and it has been tremendously helpful for that digital capture to sort of have audience in the room to sort of recreate that moment of sharing space with your, with your fellow audience members, which is the thing that I miss the most um, without, the without question. Yeah, the bonus I see from doing the video capturing is Lincoln Center used to be the only place you can go see an old Broadway show. And you had to have a specific reason why you need to get into your archives, go watch a VHS of it. Now we have copies of it in digital form. We can actually send out if it was just a, like an employee screening or something, but you have access to this information you haven't had before. So my hope is that this still carries on in some kind of way. I totally agree. I mean, one of the things that has been a challenge for the performing arts is that we have never been very good at sort of replicating our art form. Um, so really bad at documenting and sharing out that documentation mm -hmm. of best practices. Um, you know, it was always that's part of the reason our, our community is so tight knit is that it was like very like insular. Who's got the secrets on how you do the thing? Right. Um, and uh, and now we sort of have all of a sudden a remarkable documentation of our artistic process. Um, everything from rehearsals online uh, and recordings to the final product um, in, in a digital form. And that is something I hope we continue to innovate in and something we hope to, I hope that we continue because it is something that visual artists have all the time. Um, obviously, you know, symphonic artists, people who play music have had that for a hundred years. Uh, so it's really uh, exciting for us to have that at this point. So it's the I silver could, lining. I could tell you, I'm gonna show my age right now, but I remember when the internet started. <laughs> and I remember I was working on Broadway and my producer was like, oh, the internet won't be our competition. I was like, based on what they're saying here, our number one competition for movies, for television, for theater, for any type of art form is the internet, because you have access to everything so quickly and so fast, and people have a short, short time span that they're gonna pay attention to anything. So now that we're in this situation, I'm like, yeah, we're all on the internet now, trying to get our, our product out so everyone could see it. So yeah, that showed how old I am, but that's okay. <laughs> I am so glad that you, you mentioned the technology because one of the things that I was gonna ask you guys is, um, I've noticed that you guys have been doing a lot of virtual um, performances. And I wanted to know if you thought that that was something that's going to create a big shift in the theater community um, further along, and if it's going to change some of the dynamics of how theater is going to be performed in the future, or if it's even going to be opening up new opportunities for new um, like job fields within the industry. I definitely think it's new job fields. And I feel like there, there was a subtle shift that was happening. Like when Beauty and the Beast came out um, and then Lion King came out doing what was done in ancient theater, brought it to present day theater. You had a lot of those animatronics and stuff happening. And then you end up now with video walls. If you saw Anastasia while I was here, it was mostly video walls. Um, 
So that shift in what a skilled technician for me for back of house, I need someone now who does video projection work and video work and knows how to get on the internet, download, edit, and everything else without having a director in their ear. Because our counterparts in TV and film, they have a whole editing bay. They got post-production producers, assistants, and the cousins, and Bebe and them. Everybody's there to help them out. And we operate on such a small skeleton crew that that pull in trying to get a new skill set learned or taught to someone takes time. At the same time, we're still trying to put the product on, on the air. So I think that if anyone is looking for a job in theater, I would say that's a good place to start looking and be innovative in it. Um, Absolutely. Help us a lot. Yeah. Um, one of the things that we definitely learned a whole lot about in this um, in this last year has been that sort of um, we've, we've advanced significantly in projection design and projection implementation. Um, we produced a show called Russian Troll Farm um, back in October, um, which was a site-specific play created for Zoom. Um, we worked with TheaterWorks Hartford and the Civilians Theater Company out of New York City to create this work. And basically, our projection designers um, hacked Zoom to make it work. Uh, basically <laughs> taking what we would normally sort of use to project on a scenic element and sort of put that projection software and all of that projection work into a Zoom box, um, which was super exciting for us. And uh, it ended up with us um, receiving, you know, a critics pick accolade from the New York Times and uh, also being chosen as the best theater of 2020 because we were able to innovate in that mm -hmm. way. Um, so it was super exciting, but Diana's absolutely right. If we are not thinking about projection design, uh, both in our scenic and lighting components these days, like we're falling behind. Yeah. Awesome. Well, yeah, that's that's great to hear. So um, essentially what you're saying is that um, innovation in itself has always played a huge role in theater development. Um, and with your experience with theater um, and having a, a big background since you explained it earlier in your introduction, what has been for you the most significant change or transformation in theater while you've been working in this career? Wow, I'm trying to think. It so, shifts so it shifts so much, and it like I remember things in blocks on how the shift happens. Like I, I remember going from like one of the shows we did was "Fine Thing Happened Waiting for Her" in Manhattan. Great show, lovely show. It's funny if you love musicals, all in. And then we're doing Titanic the musical, which is really an operetta. We have a ship that needs to sink on the stage and it's a $10 million budget, which was a huge budget at the time. The ship didn't sink for the most of the previews. Uh, people laughed and I, I would sit there and cry and I'm like, people dying, this is a tragedy. Um, but in the end, opening night, everything went click. And it's like the aut automation of even the ship going down, everything that happened, the sparkle of the lights that made the moonlit sky over the Atlantic. Those types of things, they keep happening. So if I look at I look at shows to see the shift, Tommy, the musical, it's a ride from the first time that curtains open till intermission, it comes down with a guitar strum and you're like, oh my God, did I just see what I saw? And oh my God, the pinball is spinning around. And then you have Hamilton now, a very seemingly simple set that moves all the time, chess pieces everywhere. And 
to listen to the rhythm and rhyme of that, a lot of people are like, I can't understand it. You can, you have to fix your ears to it the same way you did for Romeo and Juliet. So I think the people change as the innovation changes and expectations grow bigger and bigger and bigger, which also ends up with the bigger price ticket uh, for, for the shows, which is the unfortunate consequence of said innovation. Yeah, I even agree. I'm a huge fan of Hamilton. Um, I, since it came out a couple of years ago, I've been listening to the soundtrack almost every single day, but even that, like, that's a very big, um, innovation in itself because it kind of shifted a little bit of like the traditional, um, monologue of theater and performances into more like just singing and a little bit more of rap that wasn't necessarily as accumulated in that, you know, field beforehand. Um, cause I remember I saw Hamilton, um, in person and I could already know like the entire story before I went to go see it because the soundtrack is pretty much right. the entire, the entire play. And so you kind of just see, you know, how they use that minimal set, like you said, to kind of create a bigger picture and just and enhance it. But the story itself was like within the music rather than I think some of like more traditional, um, let's say like Wicked or something like that um, is a little bit more of both, you know, musical and um, acting. Yeah, I mean, so I would absolutely agree. There's like those technical advances are incredible. Um, huge shout out to David Corrin's set, which looks so simple, mm -hmm. but is so complex and Oof. really lets Howell Binkley's lights shine. Um, may you all Google Hal Binkley, uh, He's who, we amazing. Lost, who we lost this year um, um, in this amazing. crisis. Um, but he was an amazing artist who created, uh, advanced the art form in light uh, significantly. Um, and um, there was just so many things have changed, I think, over time, right? And that's like the natural evolution of this last handmade collaborative art form that we all sort of share together. But for me in my career, the, I think the biggest landscape shifting crazy thing is going to be this pandemic um you know where we are like you know the art form has sort of had to pivot and innovate but also our audience is wildly different than they were a year ago um you know in some ways that presents opportunities because we can invite people back to the theater who maybe didn't ever know that it was something that they wanted and we can be really conscious about how we reach out to our community and build that audience back up but i have in my entire career never had com had the conversations that i have had in the last year like how can we make our theater accommodate 24% of what we current, like of what we built it to accommodate. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, how will we use the bathroom? How will we use concessions? How will we move people through the space safely? Um, and that has never, ever been something that I had considered. And I think that impact on our audience and like sort of convincing people to come back and to trust and to share the same air together again is going to be one of the greatest challenges for our industry going forward. And uh, I know that we have taken all of the precautions, right? Like, and I know the Walton Arts Center has this too, right? We're cycling the air uh, a minimum of six times, a maximum of 13 times an hour through our spaces. We're running around with electrostatic disinfections uh, of all of the seats, right? Like it looks like yeah. we're Ghostbusters. We're wearing backpacks. We're making this whole thing happen. Um, we are, um, 
you know, doing this testing regimen where everyone on staff is testing every, you know, 72 hours to make sure that we control of this. And now, thankfully, we have a vaccine. So I feel like we are seeing a light at the end of that tunnel. Um, but it, I, I think that is going to be, this is going to be remembered as like the landscape shifting moment of our career. I think it's going to be interesting as we try to do this poll to bring back our audience, but we also have to bring back our staff, which can actually be more challenging than actually the audience part of it, because this, some staff, like my staff has been working the whole time. We shut down on March 13th officially, and my production team, for the most part, has been there, but we're operations people. So we're there, but we don't want anyone else in our circle. Like we're very protective about our space. Please don't come in if we don't know you and we don't know where you've been. But now the challenge is, as we're looking towards the vaccine and what that means, because it's not a cure, it's a, it, it helps you not get as sick like the flu shot. But how do I bring in a subscriber when your subscriber base is fairly the older segment? Or how do you bring in kids safely from school who really can't even sit on the same bus with each other and try and navigate all that? Because we also have a responsibility to our, our donors and our sponsors for different types of programming. That challenge piece, I think it's going to be the part that makes everyone who is an executive in theater gray. To build off of that. Oh, I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Oh, I just wanted to to build off of that changed interaction that you both were talking about between um, the audience and the theater space. I wanted to kind of talk about uh, things historically, because historically, after a period of drawback or uncertainty, for example, like the Spanish flu in 1917, theater and the arts have generally recovered um, as the public begins to celebrate and gather together again. How do you guys anticipate society responding to the performing arts as the pandemic subsides? And another little follow-up question for that is, how do you think that this specific time period will be portrayed through theater and the arts? Do you have any ideas? I just hope that everybody comes back. Come back. Come back. If you've never been, come come try us out. Just come mm -hmm. on down. Come see the theater uh, as soon as it's safe and as soon as we're open. Um, and you know, I want. I hope that every seat is taken. Um, I want everyone to see our work and to sort of experience the empathy engine that is the performing arts field writ large. So that is my great hope. <laughs> I, I, I agree, and I, my bigger hope is that people who thought that theater was not attainable for them, it was not approachable for them, they are finding that online, that theater is so vast and so varied. Um, and I want them to actually understand why there is value in this art form, in all art forms, because in looking at this big picture of all the businesses coming back, it's easier to get a restaurant open than it is to get a theater open with a show because we work years in advance to book people to come in. So now if I look at a calendar and someone says, well, I'm not coming because of COVID, we may never get that person back again, which is a misexperience for us, a misexperience for them. Um, I want the audience when they come in to realize that everyone who's front, front facing at the front of house, they're there to support them and serve, service them um, with excellence, especially in our venues here in Northwest Arkansas, because we really have a, a love for our audiences that at some theaters I haven't experienced. Um, they, they like to kind of coddle our audience a little bit, which is not a bad thing because it's the, the member becomes, you're, you're a ticket member. Then you buy a ticket for your two friends. 
and your fr two friends get excited and they become ticket members. Then we're building on, on the bricks that are being laid because if kids don't come to theater, soon there'll be no need for a lot of that, that theater. So you got, you got, you still have to keep building and building. And I want people to keep watching stuff online from theater companies, not just go watch a YouTube video of a video of some musician, but see a version of Romeo and Juliet that you would never thought to see. See a version of The Wiz set in, you know, the Bronx, whatever, just see something different and it, it can feed your soul. And that will in turn, hopefully make you come see us live and be in the seat, fill up all the seats as Joanna said. Yeah. And, and, and be really intentional about it. Like, don't let this go away because like, you know, to your point about the 1918 pandemic, um, at that moment, theater was Netflix and the movies and like and video games and all of the <laughs> things. It was all of the mass media. Right. And so now live performance is much rarer and so much more precious and you know to diana's earlier point slightly more expensive but there are so many ways to get to get ask access uh like here at theater square we have ten dollar tickets for anyone under the age of 30 uh and we're maintaining that throughout the pandemic even though we only have so so we number of little seats um <laughs> but um but you know also we have free tickets available through community organizations mm -hmm. come on down see the work uh and uh and preserve the art form because you know yeah netflix will still be there next week um yep. and our show might not be so come see it catch it yeah. while you can and what she said about ticket pricing if you i've always been the type of person that if i can't afford the ticket I'm gonna go ask somebody at the institution about how to get a ticket. Because sometimes you never know that someone might have canceled and just left their ticket there to give us a free ticket. It's worth a shot. That's how the rush ticket uh, started with rent was this concept of we no one can get a ticket to the show. So, but we want young kids in New York to be able to go see the show. So they'll get online, wait in the rain and the snow and everything else for a $20 ticket to see rent. It has got, done gangbusters across all the industries since that happened. Um, but there's, there's, with there's a will, there's a way. Make some phone calls. Call the education if you're going to like a presenting organization like ours, or as you call the learning and engagement division and see if they have tickets for school programming that's coming up. But it's, there's so much to offer in Northwest Arkansas. It's kind of crazy because this little bubble here has everything. Crystal Bridges knocked me off my feet the first time I went. I was like, where the heck am I? This is not right. This is not Manhattan. But it, I mean, it's incredible. And they they offer that for free. Yeah, I was going to community. say, Northwest Arkansas is such a great place for the arts and for innovation, entrepreneurship. Um, they really, truly value that. And I just wanted to know a little bit more about how you guys think that you know, the Walton Art Center and Theater Square really fits into that um, and how you guys are impacting that industry within your place here. Well, I think jo Joanna and I, Joanna wasn't here when Walton Art Center had Theater Square as part of us um, and Nadine Bounds Studios. I, I think the beauty of having both the venues right next door to each other is one, for staff-wise, we can relate to each other and connect, which I think is very important when you're in a theater community. We need, we need that that juice from each other 
because sometimes you're like, why am I doing this to my life? Um, and then you're like, because you love it and because it is. Um, and for the Walton Art Center, we really, really want to service the community at large. And we offered very programming and opening our doors to all types of art firms. You can, you can be of the Desi community and come dance on our stages. You can be uh, Latinx to come to our venue perform. Gospel shows can perform here. You have Trisha Yearwood who comes to perform and her husband's introducing himself. I don't understand. I know who you are, Garth Brooks, but <laughs> you're very, very nice. Um, you know, it's, it's so, it's so diverse in what's offered on that campus. And then our other campus is the Walmart AMP where you're bringing world-renowned talent in who normally wouldn't come to Northwest Arkansas. We are not necessarily in the path of, you know, everyone, but Janet Jackson was here. Who would have thought Janet Jackson playing at the Walmart AMP? And it was incredible. At the same time, Trevor Noah came and he was freaking phenomenal, you know, but then you also have, bands like Slayer and Disturbed and Stained and all the stuff that I don't attend. To Diana's point, I'm so excited to be here in this sort of cultural arts district that will be just in the next two years radically transformed by the um, by the the sort of arts and culture um, project that will be sort of creating that public green space for us um, to connect all of our work together, which is really exciting and make it a real campus. Um, so that's thrilling. And then like the other thing that I find really fulfilling about working at Theater Squared is that our work is uh, in conversation with our community. And so we are creating, we are choosing plays uh, and telling stories um, for Northwest Arkansas with artists we're bringing in from all over the world to create a play and a sort of fully produced production that is just for Northwest Arkansas. It never goes anywhere else. Uh, and that is what it means to be a professional resident theater company. We are creating that work and it sort of lives here within our community. So it's for our audience. So, and is, you know, by virtue of that in exchange with our audience. Uh, and so I am really looking forward to some of the things that we're bringing in the next, uh, you know, the rest of 2021, 20, uh, uh, everything from uh, original plays uh, that have been written right here in Northwest Arkansas, like My Father's War, uh, to world premiere plays that are connected to Northwest Arkansas, like the world premiere of Designing Women in September. Uh, we're also sort of doing uh, this incredible work uh, about um, uh, what it means to be a trailblazer um, uh, called American Mariachi, um, which sort of takes place anywhere in the American South. And, uh, and we are really excited to sort of create a Fayetteville specific production of that work, as well as many other things um, that we've got. We're, are, we're programmed already all the way through December, 2021. And then on May 19th, we'll be announcing uh, everything that we're gonna be doing from January, 2022 to June, 2022. So, Also, I don't think Joanna and I explained the difference between our theaters since we're right next door to each other. It's true. <laughs> Similar, but different. Yeah. So the Walton Arts Center is a presenting house. So we bring in the shows and we present it to you. So when it's like we bring in Cats. That's a Broadway tour and everything else. They actually produce their plays. So in their house, they do, they build their sets. They cast their shows. They direct it. They do the whole rehearsal process and stuff. The only time I'm in rehearsal process is when I'm doing a tech for a show and they usually come for about a month. And like Blue Man Group was there recently and Lightning Thief. 
they were teching in our space, but we don't produce that show. We, we present it to the community. But that's also what lets you do such amazing uh, guest artists like that Trisha Yearwood sort of moment where um, you, you have not only theater, but also music and dance and, 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 right. and, 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 right? Um, and so we focus entirely on theater and we are producing plays back to back to back um, that are just for us and they never go, they never move out of Northwest Arkansas. Whereas when you see theater at the Walton Arts Center, you are seeing the production that was on Broadway and they've put it on a truck and take it around the country. Right. If they did one truck, I'd be happy. So no, that's true, right? Uh, like 11 <laughs> trucks. Okay, 11 that's trucks. fine. That's awesome. <laughs> 17 <laughs> trucks. Yeah. <laughs> it's more like that. Yeah. So you'd, yeah. Be, you'd be very surprised at how much, how many trucks it takes to bring a good sized Broadway show here and how long it takes to do it, to do a load in and how many coffee breaks they pay for. <laughs> but also like now that we've told you about the 17 trucks, you will see more of them on the highways than, uh, than you did before. Just keep yeah. your eyes peeled. Yep. Clark transfer, look for Clark transfer. That's usually a show business truck. As a Northwest Arkansas native, I will definitely look out for those. Um, but I can definitely attest to that um, this community that community that we have here is so special. And I love how um, the arts community just as a whole makes everything so accessible, um, so inclusive. And I, I kind of want to bring it back to like the University of Arkansas. What do you guys feel like is your relationship with um, the Uni University of Arkansas and students and what role do they play um, in this ecosystem that you guys have? Um, for me, I am just getting to know my counterpart in the theater department, Weston, over at the university. Um, and you all know that I know Dr. Sheets. He's a good friend of mine. Um, we actually had the university do like engineering classes at the Walton Art Center um, for the fall semester. Um, and the, the theater department is also in residence at Nadine Baum um, in where Theater Square used to be. They are there now, they're doing their stuff. So we try to reach out. It's a challenge on my side for back of house because we, we would love to have students come and work and learn how to be a crew member, learn about lighting, learn about audio, about rigging and stuff. But your schedules are so tight and our schedules, you really have to be malleable with our schedules because it can change on a dime. It could be weather related, it could be someone got sick or whatever, but we need, when I, if I do a call and say the call is three o'clock, I need you there ready to work at three o'clock. So that really means 2.45, you should be checking in. But if you have a class that ends at 2.30, you're never gonna make it for that call. And I know within reason, like we, we really want to train up students to come over um, to work with, but. We have board members from the university that are there who are incredible, passionate human beings for the arts. Between Matt Tran uh, Trantham, uh, Lil Lilia, she plays, she's a musician. I can't remember her last name, but there, there are a couple that are there and they, I think they're more passionate than we are half the time. We're like, oh, okay, yeah, we'll do that. Okay, good. <laughs> so um, I think it's good. And I think it's a relationship that will continue to grow. It, it, it has to evolve into, how we can service both needs. If I'm looking for a harpsichord, the first place I start is the University of Arkansas because it's right down the street and it's easier to get, so. 
Yeah, I mean, what a tremendous uh, asset the university is to have so close. I mean, from our partnership with the theater department there, um, as an incubator of talent that then sort of is resident here that can help us create work, like Diana was saying. Um, and uh, and then even beyond that, sort of being a production resource where we're constantly sort of talking back and forth with them about what has been successful for them in, in particular show problems, um, what, what we can do instead, what innovations we've made. Uh, members of our staff are able to sort of guest teach at the university and vice versa, right? Uh, and so the, for us, it's a tremendously uh, beneficial mutual relationship and we feel very lucky to uh to have that that resource so close and they're part of the nucleus of that theater community here um for us to bounce ideas off of which is more important than you would think because theater is very collaborative in a way that a lot of corporations aren't we don't we don't worry about the top heavy part this middle part right here where your directors and your vps and all this and your managers and everything else you have to have very open, tr transparent lines of communication, and you have to have you have to come to the table with ideas. If you identify the problem, you better have a solution, or say, "I don't have a solution, but I'll be right back." Like, you got to come with a plan. Yeah, that's awesome. I know that I've had several classes um, within like the arts um, here at the University of Arkansas, and a lot of them promote for students to go and watch performances at the Walton Arts Center or at Theater Square. And I mean, unfortunately, due to circumstances, it's been a little different this past year, but I've had the opportunity to attend some of those, and I've really enjoyed it. Like, I come from a theater background from high school, so like it's something that you know, I already was passionate about, but it was really cool to like be able to like bring some of my friends that maybe weren't necessarily as accustomed to it, or maybe even like you said, like the Walton Art Center, there's a lot of cultural um, things that also are presented there. And um, as an international business student, that's something I'm like really passionate about. So it's a little bit um, easier to get in touch with um, those resources that otherwise wouldn't be as available um, and just expand your horizons a little bit more. Um, so talking about that, I know that you said that you guys have shifted a lot to more uh, virtual um, meetings and stuff like that. Have you guys continued to do like workshops, um, acting workshops, stuff like that, uh, the kids club online or how has that looked like? Yeah, I mean, our education and learning engagement programs have continued, um, you know, throughout the pandemic. Um, we've continually been creating resources for teachers who are in a drama teachers statewide who are in a virtual learning situation. And so we've created content for them to use, uh, as well as created sort of um, programs for students to come and engage sort of together and create work online uh, over last summer. And um, and now we've also sort of had folks coming and seeing our virtual productions. Um, uh, and now we have announced that we'll be returning to in-person production. Uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, all of our cases stay steady, um, and that we'll be back uh, starting at the end of April um, and then rolling out towards the rest of the year. And so uh, our hope is that our summer programming this year will be all in person uh, and available for folks uh, to engage with. Um, but yeah, sort of that outreach work definitely continues even in the face of a pandemic. Mm -hmm. So we had a program, our L&E department did some 
videos with certain artists and we offered them to the school system as so they can do the keep the programming alive in the school system because they're not allowed to get on buses right now and come into our space and we don't want a whole bunch of people in the space either for safety reasons um and we we keep we're trying to keep on the virtual side of things but we also have shows happening like on the weekends we have in, in the atrium series you have to the free tickets you have to reserve in advance you get a table with the, the most could be there's four at the table and there are only 79 people in the atrium with the artist so last night we had the tritones with ben harris who plays in every band in northwest arkansas um and then we'll we'll have like we've had a harpsist We've had a jazz piano, and then like two days later, you had a classical pianist, which is kind of crazy because your brain's like, what the heck, what, what's happening? Everything's changed. Um, but we're doing those series. And then when the ballet came to us so we could do a partnership with them on their presentation, they their tickets sold out fast. They sold out fast, so they had to add another show because all their donors <laughs> didn't get in. So, you know, people do have a need for this art form right now. Um, and literally we're trying to address every need as soon as we identify it we're like oh we need to fill this hole we're going to fill this hole we're going to do this and so some of it is risk-taking we did a hearts to home series where we had artists from around the country they would be interviewed and we give a little history about whatever day or a cultural aspect of what it was um that was something we we, we got our training boots on our training wheels on to learn how to do virtual work so I really think that the virtual world is here to stay. I'm not so sure. I, I believe Zoom should stay forever because Zoom, they can put more meetings for Zoom than anything else on the planet right now. Um, but I, I, I think I think we have to, as a as a collective, just just figure out how we add that extra piece into our theater experience, which actually creates a new job category for us also. So it'll help the economy, right? <laughs> So as we begin to, it's so exciting to hear that you guys are both, um, the Walden Arts Center is doing some things in person now and that um, Theater Squared will be returning pretty shortly. Um, as you guys welcome and return to, welcome your audiences and return to these live performances, what can they expect to see and what, what are some differences from the last time maybe they stepped in the theater um, that they'll notice off the bat? Besides the social distancing and that sort of thing, yeah. That's a really hard question to ask. And we have been thinking about this and have all these different nucleuses trying to think about this in a very strategic way. Everything is really dictated by, about infection rates, CDC, Arkansas government, um, Fayetteville's government and what their needs are and how we pivot to what's happening in the broader scale of the nation. Um, we will update our policies online so people know what to expect. I think people should expect, at least right now, you're gonna to have to wear a mask unless you're actively eating or drinking. There will be social distancing. There will be fewer people in the theater with you than normal. Um, we remove seats to help mitigate people crossing in front of each other. We do the Ghostbuster cleaning, um, like jo Johanna, Joanna said. Um, it's just, it's still theater because inherently it's about the experience with the people. So people shouldn't think, oh, this means drastic change in how I get to see a show. 
no, it might, we might ask you to come at 7.15 instead of 7.30 to enter the theater. That's so we can get everyone in and we don't have long lines at the concession stands. You may have contactless payments. So you pre-order your food and just pick it up at the counter from someone. Um, you may see plexiglass up, but it's all things that are happening in Walmart. They're happening at your doctor's office. It's not anything shocking. There may be a questionnaire. There may not be a questionnaire. I, I know I, I was buying tickets for North Forest Lights and they have a disclaimer down there. And they wanna know if you've, you've been sick or been around people who have been sick. I think we, we just have to be more resilient and more willing to go just a little bit further on what, um, what, your, ex what your experience will be. I mean. Yeah, yeah I mean, it'll like, like Diana's saying, everything about how we move about the world is a little different right now. Um, so those changes should be expected. Um, but what I can promise, what I can guarantee is what you see on stage will feel great. Um, and that what is on stage will be amazing and that it will feel tremendous to get to be in space with fellow audience members and to be to watch performers create something in live space for just for you. Um, and so I think that's going to be the really exciting part. Uh, and that's going to feel really different after a year of not having that. Yeah. It's going to be a good time. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it's going to really be spectacular. That first curtain call. I'm going to be yep. super weepy. <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. Yeah, I love how passionate you guys are about the work that you guys do because it really truly shows. Um, and that's very admirable. Um, and I'm so excited for, you know, performances to go back up. Like I said, I'm very, you know, very into the arts as well. So it's something that I'm definitely looking forward to. And it's very impressive, like how much work that you guys have put into making sure that everything runs smoothly, that everybody feels safe, um, and those performances are still being held. Um, do you guys have like any final like advice for maybe, um, you know, young professionals or anybody that's really just interested in the theater arts and wants to get involved more? My number one thing is don't always look to be in front of the footlights because there are more jobs behind the scenes than they are on the stage. Um, and if you are training, train across all of it. Don't say, oh, I only want to do lights because you may end up liking audio better. You may end up liking props. You may want, you may want to work in development. You may want to work you know, in finance. It, the entertainment industry has so many job categories that most people don't even understand, but the opportunity is there. And just, and if there's an organization you're interested in, call and see who to talk to, interview them, see what uh, opportunities are available at their centers. Cause I mean, a lot of these transition, I took theater into TV, into film, and then came back to theater. Some things about vernacular changes, but the, the basis is still the same. Everything is, it's really based on theater to start with because theater was everything else that's out there right now. No matter how you dress it up and put a bow on it, it was Greco-Roman theater time, you know? So that, that's why I say just be open in your opportunities that you're searching for. Yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, 
theater is a little like a giant wedding cake and the actors are the icing that you can immediately see. But underneath them, for every one person you see on stage is sort of a scaffolding support system of a hundred or more people making sure they're on that stage. And so uh, if you are interested in theater, you should absolutely think about all of the ways that your talents could work out. I know that I used to think I was an actor when I was in school and then I found myself being the only actor who was also doing the spreadsheets to keep <laughs> the show running. And that's when I knew I was probably an arts administrator, right? Like I was probably not an actor. And so like, think about those moments where you are shining in your academic life in ways that are maybe um, unexpected for you and sort of lean into those those things that seem easier for you than for your colleagues and that is probably what you should do as your as your as your life's work um, and then I can uh, also uh, say that it's infinitely knowable like yeah everybody knows each other everybody knows everything so even if you are working at a theater in northwest arkansas that is so much closer to broadway than you think and so particularly mm -hmm. in the in the back of house sort of behind the scenes work um so get out there and sort of figure out what you want from theater and theater it's infinitely gettable for you if that's what you want Awesome. Well, thank you guys so much for sharing and spending some time to talk to us about the innovative process that you guys have had to overcome over this past year and just everything that you guys have been working on. Um, it really, truly is amazing. And I'm just so excited to see how it continues to progress. And I can't wait for it to all be back to normal so that we can all go and enjoy the theater arts together again. Um, but thank you guys so much for, for being here. I really appreciate it. Thank you.